Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Hey, happy new year to you. This is my first time on the show for this year. You know, I had Nicole come in. Nicole Hudgens, our policy analyst, hosts the show for a couple of weeks. Andy Hogue, our communications director, was a part of the show. You know, look, hey, I'm like everybody. I got to catch my breath every now and then, too. But I had some travel as well that took me away from the studio. And, you know, it's good for people to hear some other folks that are involved in our work. But I love being behind the mic. You know that. And, look, the reason I love doing it, because Texas is an exceptional state, I am blessed to have another year to be in the position that I'm in, to have an opportunity to serve, to have an opportunity to educate people across the state or for wherever you're listening on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. You know, that's the work we do. We stand for faith, family, and freedom. We execute that work, a comprehensive approach to advocacy in the legislature, the courts, and the media. And I tell you what, we had an incredible year in 2017, and we rounded out things well. I know many of our listeners, you came in at the last minute, if you will, and supported us financially. You can still do that today. You know, it's a new year, new economic needs that we have at txvalues.org. But the end of the year finished strong. And so thank you for staying with us for another year. And speaking of, you know, entities, if you will, that had a great year, if we can put it that way. We're going to talk a little bit today about how Texas did as a state and really from the economic perspective. And that's because our guest today is Texas comptroller Glenn Hager. And you know, that name is probably familiar to you because before he served as our Texas comptroller, our 36th Texas comptroller, He served the state well and his district well from the west side of Houston in the Texas House and also in the Texas Senate. And, you know, look, I mean, it is great to have leaders and it's great when they have time to come on and talk about their work. Comptroller Hager, welcome to the Texas Values Report. It's great to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, you and I used to talk quite a bit when you served in the legislature, even though we care about what goes on in the economy that certainly, you know, flows into the values of faith, family and freedom. We probably don't interact as much as we used to. And so I'm excited that you get to come on the show, I believe, for the first time. And there's some really good things to talk about when it comes from the economy. If you'll tell people that may not know, just a little snapshot of what the comptroller does, what the duties are, and then the exciting news, the health of the economy in the state of Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Be, be happy to do that. If you if you look at the controller's office, essentially we're the CFO for the state of Texas. We take in all of the money. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm the tax collector, and I'm going to go ahead and say that to everybody. So if you look at my three core constitutional duties of the roughly 22 divisions, 3,000 employees in this constitutional office, they run in three three different distinctions. One, we collect all the revenue. Two, run the treasury and pay all the bills, which ends up being of your state budget, whether that's federal dollars that we pay to D.C. comes back to the state of Texas and passes through the state budget, as well as state dollars that are part of that, taxes and other revenues, ends up being $108.5 billion billion dollars a year. And then thirdly, monitoring the state economy, looking at the jobs, the growth, the 12 different economic regions of the state of Texas, which when you combine all of them together, all 12 economic regions within our state, it's amazing to know that Texas is a $1.7 trillion economy, over 12 million people in the workforce all the time. And on top of that $1.7 trillion economy, that means that Texas is literally the 10th largest economy in the entire world. 
pretty phenomenal to know the economic growth here in the state of Texas. So constantly, that's that's really more so my day-to-day job. I'm really in tune with what's going on, the pulse, the job creation here in the state. It's pretty amazing to know that Texas, in the last year, we have grown over 300,000 jobs in the state of Texas. Yeah, that, no, that's... When we, that's quite that's, impressive. That's a phenomenal number. It, it's more than any other state in the nation. Obviously, we're the second most populous state behind California, but we've created more jobs than the rest of the nation in the that, last year. No, it's, and that, and that it's very trend impressive. has been continuing. Yes. That's very impressive. We're talking with Texas Comptroller Glenn Hager. As the website describes, he is the chief financial officer, the CFO for the state of Texas, the treasurer, the check writer, the tax collector. He's also a Christian, too. Uh, we'll get into a little bit about his personal life and his family as well. Uh, he does have a son named Jonah, as I yes. do as well. I know you and I uh, have shared a little bit about our Jonas before. We'll touch on that in a minute. But, yeah, great news for the state of Texas. You know, you mentioned that. Tenth largest economy in the world. I saw you give a presentation a while back. Larger than Russia, larger than Canada. Those are countries, by the way, just to give people perspective and a reminder. And so the place that Texas has as a state being the tenth largest economy in the world, that's quite impressive. That goes with responsibility. But, you know, I'm seeing the publications come out with news. We had an active legislative session. A lot of good pro-family things happened during the session. And a lot of people tried to push the narrative that pushing those things would hurt our economy. We know that's never been true. And so the facts are that Texas continues to be rated as one of the top states for business. One of one publication, this is 13 straight years that Texas has been the top state for business. And I saw a report that the unemployment rate is at 3.9%, the lowest rate in four decades. That's right. That's right. So uh, we just got some new new job numbers from the couple months ago. And fact is, is we're still the lowest that we've had in four decades at 3.9%, which is really phenomenal. I mean, think about that. The lowest in four decades is is really remarkable. And if you look at what is going on in Texas, you know, obviously we had a devastating hurricane that wind devastated the uh, the Gulf Coast, whether it was Port Aransas, Port A, Rockport, then all of you go along the coast and the Houston area was flooded over into East Texas. And, and, and I talked about this a couple of speeches yesterday people would ask me, and I said, you know, what's on the unfortunate side, if you're one of those individuals that had the wind damage or the flood, it's very significant to you. If you're one of those communities, it's very significant to you. But then when you take a back step back and know a hurricane of such devastation and such flooding is so widespread, it's unbelievable that when you put it in perspective of the state of Texas, that 10th largest economy in the world, it really doesn't make a significant registration in the overall economy, which, you know, my point being is that just goes to show how large this economy is. And so, so many people want to do business here for a wide variety of reasons, whether it's lower regulation, lower taxes, the values, the work ethic of Texas, the location, the geography, a whole lot of combination of things. And that's why we're all blessed to be in this state. No, you're absolutely right. We're talking with Texas Comptroller Glenn Hager, who has been in another elective positions before. The Comptroller position is an elective position. He served in the Texas House, the Texas Senate. And so, you know, really encouraging things to talk about. The state of Texas is exceptional, and it continues to be exceptional. But a good reason for that is because principal leaders that continue to provide that leadership 
from the top. And you're no different, Comptroller Hager. You know, I would talk a little bit about your personal background. Mm -hmm. You're a proud graduate of Texas A&M University. You've got your law degree from St. Mary's, your LLM. I mean, who who knows what an LLM is? Hey, I'm a lawyer. I have some idea. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, yeah, people go on to get their master's in law as well from the University of Arkansas. And congratulations to you on just a distinguished career. You're also a sixth generation Texan. You've got farmland. You know, you and your family, you're a part of the fabric of what makes Texas great. Tell us a little bit about your your wife, your children, and let's talk about that Jonah too. Yeah, we're, you know, I'm I'm fortunate. I, I wake up and literally thank God I get to call Texas home, have a very wonderful wife, three great fantastic kids, and where my family moved to Texas in the 1840s. So they settled here like so many people did, looking for a new economic opportunity to raise their family, a new start, and literally ended in Galveston, Texas in the late 1840s and set up just northwest of Houston. My family's had that same farming land now, as you accurately pointed out, for six generations, and now we're raising the seventh generation uh, out, out close to there. And so I grew up on that family farm, which, you know, I tell people if they ask when I was running for this office originally, what are the characteristics, the different things that need you need to have to be controller of public accounts? And, and the first po- thing I point out, no matter what, is you have to have character and you have to have integrity because it's the people's money. It's your tax money, my tax money, all the citizens, the 28 plus million people that live in this state. We're responsible for your money. And we have to make sure that, you know, we account for every single dollar and every single penny. And so it was, in my opinion, point being is raised up in that family farm, knowing how what a hard day's work is, a hard year's worth of work, taught me that work ethic and that fabric and the family values. And I often joke about in my speeches, you know, talking about how uh, the tax collector, and many people may not realize that my grandfather on my mother's side was a Baptist preacher. And so I used to listen to his sermons, and some of them talked about how tax collectors got stoned in the Bible. And then lo and behold, little did he know his grandson was going to be one of those tax collectors later on. And so, you know, kind of jokingly but pointedly making the point is that you got to make sure that you're responsible with the people's money. And I think it's a combination of those things which has helped me through my public service and then also in raising those three kids, which are in another couple months, my wife and I will have a 13-year-old daughter, a six-year, a 10-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old son. And um, yeah, I know, seem we're, to remember. We're, we're fortunate with those three little kids. I, I thought I was accurate in remembering that our Jonas are the same age. My Jonas is, right. is 10 as well. Yeah. And uh, man, what just you know, it's such a blessing to be a dad. I was joking with, well, trading, exchanging text messages the other day with some, with one of our board members. I took a baseball off the front of my uh, the side of my lip. Over the weekend, <laughs> and, and, sorry to laugh. I apologize. I'm not laughing so, at you. I'm laughing with it's you. It's the first time it's ever happened as a parent, and you know, we my I was on my parents' property, and and we were just throwing the baseball around some trees, and I thought, you know, that I got it all figured out, and one ricocheted off the tree at the last minute, <laughs> caught Dad right in the lip, and so, um, but it's fun, you know, to to you know, in that in that role we have as parents is so important. And you know, that role we have as parents reminds us of the sanctity, the dignity of human life. You know, we can't conclude this interview or or complete it really without talking about your history. You know, this week, there's the March for Life. There's a reflection on the Roe versus Wade decision. You were a part of, you were the Senate author of a very important bill in the legislature in your last session 
that protects human life, that recognizes the dignity of it, that also recognized having standards in place when it comes to these type of procedures. The pro-life issue, the dignity of life is a part of your legacy and something that I know is, you know, will, will always be a part of how you remembered and something you still care about today. Yeah, that that was a time that was really remarkable for me because as the individual who was carrying that legislation in the Senate and had to pass that off the Senate floor not just once but twice as we had two special sessions and special session one and special session two were very different. The first one was mostly those that were opposed. There was a, as you remember, filibuster and rhetoric. Yeah, we're talking about 2013, correct? 2013, you know, we reports from DPS that people were in the up in the gallery that were going to throw things at us. I mean, it was a very intense time. And then the second special session, it was really amazing how the pro-life community made sure that they were there and the presence. And I can tell you on that Senate floor as the second go round was even more intense for me as the author standing there for literally 10 plus hours both times and going through committee processes before that for the same amount of time but would I do it again absolutely you know and it 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 reestablished my faith in people and also you know growing up as a child and knowing that when you when you have a community of individuals there two or more gathered together in faith, that how you feel that presence. And literally, I can tell you, feeling that presence on the Senate floor was really remarkable. Well, and, and it yeah, is one that yeah, you don't want to have to go through the, the valleys of the fires. That's never a fun experience. But once you've been through it, it emboldens you, it strengthens you, and it gives you the greater capability to move forward with the next trial that you're going to face, as we all face in life. Trials and tribulations all the time. We have moments of joy. You never know when each one is going to come. But through each time that you cross that fire, you get stronger each time. And and let me just tell you, <laughs> I had a little trial by fire that summer. It was pretty remarkable, but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's no doubt. We're talking with Texas Comptroller Glenn Hager. You know, his current role is the CFO of the state, if you will. And But before that, he worked in the state legislature in the House and Senate and was the Senate author of HB2, very important pro-life legislation. And, you know, look, I mean, I was there, too. Organization was yeah. part of the support. You know, you were the... I mean, it was your time, your moment, you were called to lead. You did it in an exceptional way, in an unforgettable way. And that's what happens. Sometimes that is the moment. That is the moment when you know you have to stand. You know, I'm going to have an opportunity later this weekend to march in McAllen in South Texas, where I have some family roots. I've been invited to speak at a, a March for Life. I've had some history of my own from Houston when I stood up and I was the leader of a pro-life group. That's when I was called back then. We filed litigation against the University of Houston, which we were successful for, for our speech, free speech rights for a pro-life group. And, you know, those moments just sometimes they come, they go, but you can feel it. And, you know, this is the time and this is the way to stand. And that's what you did during that trial, as you stated. And you saw it through and victory was achieved and Texas is better for it. You know, Comptroller Hager, we're excited that you came on. You continue to be the leader in the work that you do, not only in your role, but really as a reflection of what Texas, as I like to say, Texas values are all about. And so, you know, as we head into this new year, get this new year kicked off, we just want to say God bless you and thank you for coming on the show. And we hope to have you again sometime soon. 
Well, appreciate the honor, Jonathan. I appreciate appreciate what you and your organization do. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you for everything that you do here in the state of Texas. And I hope each and one of you and your listeners today have a great, great day, a great weekend, and may God bless each of you. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, that was great. You know, having Comptroller Hager on, I think it was the first time we've had him on the show. Very busy. You know, you think about the beginning of the year, I'm sure there's a lot they're looking at, a lot of information they're trying to get out to people so people know what's this year going to look like. You see what's going on in the stock market. But, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things that he cares about. So it's great to kind of get some variety of there and to talk a little bit about his family uh, and to have a little bit of fun <laughs> as a fellow dad. You know, we're going to have Nicole Hudgens that's going to have talk to us. She's going to call in. She's, gonna, she's at the March for Life and is on the ground in D.C., and is going to provide some very important insight. You know, look, I mean, while our organization is focused on the state of Texas, what happens in D.C. can impact our state. So when there are big national events like the March for Life, we think it's important for there to be presence from Texas to let people know where does Texas stand on these issues? Who's speaking up for Texas? Who's representing Texas, if you will? You know, I'm hearing that President Trump is going to address the March for Life. You know, I mean, there's a number of people there that are um, really excited. I mean, there's been a lot more attention, I think, in the media this week than we've seen in years before because President Trump seems to be talking more about it than previous administrations. The last, well, one of the few times, well, only time I have met a sitting president was um, around a life event that President George W. Bush had at the White House. And, you know, you can imagine what that's like to be a Texan and for the first time to meet a sitting president in the White House, and he's from Texas. So it's something I'll never forget, but it was a reception for people that were pro-life leaders, and I was uh, just humbled to be a part of that. And so, you know, from time to time, it's important for us to have a presence and let people know, even in D.C. So Nicole's going to be calling in, and she's going to give us an insight on the ground. You know, she's got a heart for the issue, like all of our staff do, but, you know, Nicole's got an interesting story that goes along with it. But, you know, getting to be there with fellow people that care about the pro-life issue is something very important. And so we're going to bring Nicole Hudgens in from Washington, D.C., telling us what's happening on the ground at the March for Life. Today was absolutely incredible as we stood with hundreds of thousands of Americans from all across the nation standing and marching to see the end of abortion and a pro-life America. There were those from Louisiana, Missouri, California, from all over the nation. And what was so exciting was to see how many young people were here. They, they had marching bands, they were chanting, they were so happy to be here and standing and marching for the unborn. And with just every step we take, we're one step closer to an America where abortion is no more, where every human life is valued. And that was so exciting. It was also very exciting to hear from the President of the United States who made a statement from the Rose Garden. And, you know, it wasn't um, quietly from his office. He, he took a stand in the White House Rose Garden uh, directly to those who have gathered for the pro-life march and specifically talked about saving the unborn and I was especially excited to hear him talk about religious liberty and the importance that religious liberty has in protecting the unborn. You know, just yesterday, the, the announcement was that the Department of Health and Human Services now has a department specifically on protecting those with a religious conscience. 
and that's really important, especially when it comes to healthcare workers, talking about the importance of those who are going to protect the unborn. You have Catholic hospitals who are very pro-life. You have doctors and nurses uh, who want to protect the unborn, and I'm hoping to see from that department, too, those who have um, those who want to protect human dignity and ensure that these doctors and nurses and healthcare workers are not going to be forced to do sex reassignment surgeries or other things that might violate their sincerely held religious beliefs on uh, human life as well as uh, human sexuality. So some really exciting things happening here in D.C. We're excited to be here. We got to talk today to Lila Rose, uh, as many of you know, the president of Live Action, and David Delighton, who exposed Planned Parenthood selling baby body parts in Houston. Um, so it, it was an honor to to talk with those pro-life leaders and Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council. They do amazing work in standing for faith, family, and freedom. So great, encouraging day. Um, I think we're going to continue to see the pro-life movement advance in our state for sure, but as well as in the nation. So excited to be here and thankful for the opportunity. Well, thank you, Nicole. That was a great update. Um, you know, look, I know that there's continues to be, you know, things that we need to do on the life issue. You know, the, the work is not finished, obviously. You know, there have been a lot of gains. There's been a lot uh, changing of hearts and minds as young people. The millennial generation continues to grow in their pro-life support. You know, and so much of that has been science, but a lot has been because what's going on in the courts, in the legislature, the media, people actively engaging more. You know, uh, and this is not to, you know, prop myself up. I just think back how long... I have had involvement in the pro-life issue, and, you know, it really goes back to high school for me. But when I was a student at the University of Houston, I was there to prepare to represent people on the life issue, which I've done. I was a part of a team of lawyers here in the Austin area where we defended the Catholic diocese and another uh, pregnancy center, a Christian pregnancy center, when the city tried to restrict their pro-life beliefs when it comes to uh, um, pregnancy care centers. We won that lawsuit against the city of Austin. But when I wasn't even a lawyer, I was at law school at the, city of, in, at the University of Houston leading a pro-life group. And they tried to treat us differently than other groups and restrict our organization from having a presence on campus and event. We had to go to court. We sued them and we won. You can imagine what that was like to be a law student suing your university. You know, I was a little nervous at times. I mean, I got to be honest with you, you know, I was, there was threats that we wouldn't graduate, you know, that all, that my law degree was all on the line. But, you know, I just felt like I had to do what was right, you know, and I felt that tap on my shoulder. And so you may feel that at times, you know, you can support the work we do at txvalues.org. We're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And so, you know, look, um, the issue moves forward. We know more about the issue. People are getting more educated. And it's not a political issue. I mean, it shouldn't be. you got Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, people that run the spectrum politically. It's about science. It's about our faith. It's about really just the, the human dignity that exists with an unborn child, whether it's in the womb or out. And so it's great to have an update from Nicole. And we'll continue to update on this issue uh, as it moves forward. It's one of the pillars of the work we do. You know, it's about marriage and family, life, and it's also about religious freedom. So, you know, we'll have more next week on the Texas Values Report. Stay engaged in what we do on social media. Go to our website at txvalues.org. We'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.